0: Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross-Culture Church in Houston, Texas. I want to share a word with you today. And starting in 1 Kings chapter 21, I'm going to be talking about, or beginning with, Naboth and Ahab and Jezebel. King Ahab, the queen, Jezebel, and Naboth, the common man. So it says this in verse 1, that it came to pass that Naboth the Jezreelites had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel next to the palace of the king. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me your vineyard, that I can have it for a vegetable garden, because it's near next to my house, and I'll give you a vineyard even better than that one. I'm going to give you something better than this. I, I just want that because it's beside my house. I'm going to give you something even better. I, I mean, you're going to really love this. Or if you'd rather, I'll give you money. Now it sounds like Ahab is very a really nice guy here, doesn't it? I mean, he's got this high position, and he's offering to give money for it. He said, I'll even give you a better vineyard for it. You know, the money is no object to me. And the Naboth answers and says, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. And Ahab goes to his house sullen and displeased, because the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. He can't have something he wants. And he's so upset because Naboth had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father's. And I just want to make a little side note here. I think it's neat that Naboth is honoring the inheritance of his father's. It's not like, oh, my inheritance is I have this mansion. No, no, no. it's because it's special because that's what he's been entrusted with. That's his to take care of. Maybe the king wanted to give them something greater, but it's like, this is what I've been given to take care of. And I believe that inheritance is, is such a wonderful thing. Anyway, I just would encourage you on that. You should want to leave an inheritance to your children. I believe we should want to leave as much as we can to our children, but not just financially, but spiritually. We should want to invest into their lives spiritually and give them something to cultivate in life that we've started. just something good and in inheritance. But anyway, then Jezebel, his wife, came to him when he's there sullen. Oh, I didn't, he, he didn't want to give me his inheritance. He was, you know, there's, I was going to give him something better. Jezebel goes, what are you upset about? And he says, because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite. And I said to him, give me your vineyard for money, or else if it pleases you, I'll give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, you now exercise authority over Israel. You have all this power. Look, you eat food, let your heart be cheerful. I'm going to give you the vineyard of Naboth. So here she's, she's saying, I'm going to take charge. This is interesting. You know, Jezebel was a real person, but she also, uh, when we use the word Jezebel, we're also referring to attributes that that one person had. Because most people would agree this woman was full of the devil. And uh, she was a manipulator. She was a controller. She always wanted to be in control. And, uh, she was not submissive. Uh, anyways, she was also seductive. She was also sexually immoral. She brought sexual immorality into the nation, lewd things, lewd sexual things and, and whatnot. So, but anyway, here, here she is taking charge. This is like an opportunity. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, she just sees she's just fulfilling her role in life. Hey, I'm going to make this happen. But she doesn't realize that it's outside of boundaries. You know, it's really interesting. That spirit, a lot of times, wants to take control and wants to fix the situation, but it goes outside the boundaries of what's right and wrong. And uh, it also goes outside the boundaries of her authority. But here she is. She's going outside of her authority. She writes letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, as if he's done it, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. And she wrote in the letters saying this Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people, and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You've blasphemed God and the king, and then take him out and stone him that he may die. So the men of the city, the elders, nobles, and what not, they did just as jezebel told them to as it was written in the letters they proclaimed the fast they had the scoundrels come in and the scoundrels jumped up and said oh i can't believe what this man said and two men jumped up and said that it was all planned out you know but of course to everyone else it doesn't look planned out it looks very spontaneous it looks so real there they are in a place where he's in a place of prominence where they put him. And guess who's, he's around. All the prominent people who are watching this happen. And who else is going to be there? Probably all those nobles and elders, right? So then they sent to Jezebel saying, of course, they took him out. They said, oh, look, he's blasphemed God and the king. And then they took Naboth out right there and they stoned him. They killed him right there. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, she said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth isn't alive anymore, but he's dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth is dead, and I can't imagine that he didn't know by now how he died. Ahab got up, went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Elijah, and said, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel. And he's now in the vineyard of naboth where he has gone down to take possession of it. Speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him saying this, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Which is amazing. How can God make that happen? And Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? You see, when people speak truth, instead of saying something, Oh, I'm sorry, they'll attack the messenger. You said that to me because you don't like me. You gave me that negative word because you just don't like me. You've got something against me. He says, I have found you. You know why I found you? Because you sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. And then he says, behold, I'll bring calamity on you and I'll take away your posterity. And I will cut off from Ahab, who is the man's name, every male in Israel, both bond and free. I'll make your house like the house of Jeroboam, And like others who have provoked me in the past. And then he says, and concerning Jezebel, your wife, the dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel, and the dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city. I mean, what a crazy prophetic word and judgment. And anyway, I wanted to, I just will stop right there uh, as far as that reading. But you see, what's happened here is God got Ticked off, God got ticked off at something. What happened? You look at this little man. this so to speak, nobody named Naboth he's He's the little guy. It doesn't look like anybody cares about him. He doesn't have justice, and God is watching what's doing, what's been happening, and God's had enough. I want to just start out this message with an understanding, which is. God is a God of justice. God hates injustice, and nothing escapes God's notice. You have to remember that in life, because it looks like God doesn't care about a lot of things that happen. And I could say that Ahab and Jezebel had done a whole lot of evil in their day. They'd done so many bad things. They thought they would always get away with it. And you see, when a people are so strong, so surrounded by others that do whatever they ask them to, they feel so untouchable. Even God can't touch me. Many think that way. They act that way. God doesn't see what I'm doing. I believe that's how they felt, which that kind of attitude makes corruption grow and grow and grow. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says something like this. Because a crime or evil isn't punished, the hearts of men grow worse and worse to do evil. So what it says is, when people think they can get away with something, it makes evil fester and grow and increase in society. And here they are in this place of power, and they feel completely empowered and untouchable. And everybody was afraid of them. Look how also flagrant this sin was how open she was about what she's doing. She doesn't even, she's like, she doesn't have any fear of any of these people turning turning her in. She signs a letter in Ahab's name. You go, well, that could have been used as evidence against her, right? She has no fear of being caught. She's been doing so much evil. But the time came, they did this evil against Naboth, this helpless individual who was completely done wrong, completely set up, and God had had enough. God had had enough. Now I just have to back up and just say, sometimes I've been wondering, God, when is it that you're going to have enough? When is that day going to happen? And I believe that day is coming upon us. I believe the day when God says, I've had enough, I've I've extended my grace. People have not turned back. These individuals are hurting others, and I believe there's a day coming when God is going to show himself strong, and it's going to be a huge wake-up call for those that thought God was dead, for those that thought God was not looking. God's going to show up, and it's going to shock everybody. I fully believe that. It's coming. But in this day, the cup of iniquity was full. God's like, no more no more i am not going to let things go on anymore and the cries of those that had been unjustly treated by ahab by jezebel and by the other leaders that were over them came before god and god dealt with it that day in a major way in a major way now i just want to reemphasize this you know, it might not look like God's been involved for a long time. We begin to think this is just the way things are. This is just how life is. God always does like this, and he does like this. And it. No. You need to read through history and realize there are certain times when God steps into history, if you want to call it like that, and he brings a special visitation, you see, and he does unusual things, and he begins to judge things and bring things right. And part of that judging, there's a huge blessing. When God judges, there's a blessing for those who serve the Lord. There's a blessing. And I believe in this hour, when this visitation comes, that we're going to see an amazing turnaround. In fact, I believe it's already started. I've seen more people hungry for God, than i have seen for years i've seen something in the interest of people toward god something working on the inside of them wanting to know how to go forward that i haven't seen in many years i mean it's thrilling to me every time i see it i just sit back and i think about it and going wow god is working in the hearts of people to bring them closer to him for those that don't know him he's bringing him in for those that maybe have known him And they're not walking with him now where they've sort of gotten off the course. He's pulling them back on course. There's an outpouring of God right now. And I would just say, if this, in this hour, God's been tugging on people and they just continue to resist, watch out. I'm not saying God's going to do what he did with Ahab here. That's a different situation. But I'm just saying God's going to do what's necessary to either turn people around. And for those that are wicked, that have decided to go against God, they know what they're doing is evil. They know they're hurting other people, and they don't even care about it. I would just say you just really need to watch out. God sees everything that's going on, and God is getting ready to come and reveal himself in this situation. Look what he's done in history. But anyway, let me just back up and say, there's going to be a lot of good that's getting ready to happen too. I mean, I believe restoration's coming to the righteous. I believe God's heard the cries of the righteous. I believe God's heard the cries of the afflicted and the ones that have been unjustly treated and had things gone bad for them. And I'm not talking about just being mistreated by the government. Uh, They could have been in your workplace. It could have been by other people that have put you down. I believe in this hour, there's going to be a great judging, so to speak, and people are going to receive back things they've lost. I believe it's going to be an amazing, wonderful time But I believe there's also going to be a judging of things that have greatly displeased God. Systems and people and things that have come become corrupt. God wants to remove the corruption and the decay. I believe there's a lot of things that God is just not going to put up with anymore. And when that happens, When God begins to deal with things in the earth again, when God steps into history and things begin to happen, then the fear of God is going to come back in the earth. And it's going to be amazing what we see. And everything is going to begin to change. I want to say that again. When God begins to deal with issues in this world, It's going to bring the fear of God again. We're going to go, wow, wait a minute. You do that, you sow, you're going to reap. It's real. People will have the fear of God in them. And they will not want to do evil because they know there's accountability. And they can see it with their eyes. Because God has gotten involved again. It's going to happen. For many years I've been thinking, you know, the fear of God is missing in the church. And I have believed there's going to be a great move of God. And with that move of God, that the fear of God is going to be restored. And I've pictured how that's going to happen. And we've been praying for it to happen. We've prayed for that a lot. God restore the fear of God to the church. You know, there have been so many maybe well-intentioned, ultra-seeker-sensitive kind of movements that don't want to say anything that's going to make anybody feel bad. You know, they don't want to say anything that might make somebody not come back next week because maybe it makes them feel bad, right? Well, it might look like initially that that's having some success. but you see. What God says about that is, what it's doing is, it has removed the fear of God somehow. There's no fear of God. There's there's no fear of continuing to walk in sin or to do things that are not of God. There's no fear of eternal consequences, you see. And so those things God has wanted to deal with. But anyway, I've been thinking, how's that going to happen? How's God going to deal with that? And I just thought we're going to pray and poop God's going to show up on a Sunday morning or whatever night or maybe a prayer meeting and the the presence will be so strong that we'll be on our faces and the fear of God will be there. But I don't believe that's actually how it's going to happen. I don't believe that's going to be the major way that it starts. I believe that experience will be sort of like that one day in church, but I don't believe that's how the fear of God is going to come back to the church. And I don't believe that's how it's going to come back to the earth. I believe it's going to come back because God begins to deal with things that displease him. And when he deals with things that displease him, it causes the fear of God to come back. When people see God dealing with things, they begin to think more clearly. There's this story in Acts chapter 5, which is a very unusual and remarkable story. It's that one about Ananias and Sapphira. It says these people were in the early church and they had sold a possession and then they go to Peter. Now, everybody was selling things, by the way, and just giving the money away. Think about that. They were free. They are free. They know God's going to take care of them. And God moved on their hearts. They're selling lands, giving all of the money to the poor. There were some needs in that time. They were giving the money away for those needs. And here, Ananias and Sapphira sold. They brought heart of the to the apostles right now i want to just say there was probably a lot of excitement about giving you know you ever see somebody do something great for god and maybe you go oh i wish i could do that or maybe somebody get attention for doing something good and maybe in your heart for a moment you might go oh i wish i could get attention for that right that's immaturity and flesh right and pride well they were watching everybody else man look look at da-da-da-da. man they gave away that oh wow do you look at it you see they they saw all the the glory surrounding there and there was glory there in the house but anyway they come and they go here's the money here's all the money for what we just sold and peter he doesn't say thank you but the lord's telling me that you didn't give all of it but i thank you for what you did give he doesn't say that he doesn't say "Well, we appreciate the little bit that you gave." no he doesn't say that he says Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? He could have kept back part of it and said, hey, I'm giving part of my sale. No, he's acting like I sold it to give the whole thing. While it remained, was it not your own? You could have kept it. And after it sold, was it not in your control? You could have done what you wanted to. But why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You didn't lie just to me. You lied to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. He died right there. Now think about that. And then his wife comes in. I won't read that whole story. But she comes in. She doesn't know that just happened to her husband. And I think it's amazing that Peter doesn't tell her. I mean, if it was me, I'd be going, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I was just telling him the word of the Lord, and he fell down. Oh, this is his wife. I can't. Oh, his wife. I can't believe his wife. She comes in. The Holy Spirit's on him. He says, did you sell it for such and such a price? da 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 She's in cahoots with the whole thing, with her husband. She says, yeah, we sold it for that price. Then Peter said, how is it you agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they're going to carry you out. She hardly even had time to grasp the fact that her husband had just died, and poop, she's gone. She was like going to say, oh, my husband's dead. No, she's like, oh, my, poop, she's gone. I mean, it's amazing. Ananias and Sapphira. God dealt with something that was important for him to deal with we don't like to say God deals with things like that but sometimes when God is doing something and he's moving things have to get brought right to allow the fear of God to come in a measure and the presence of God to come in a certain dimension so that God can restore what God wants to restore and God wants to restore the fear of God to the church. Guess what happened after Ananias and Sapphira fell down? Think about it. Guess what happened? What would you do, right, if you hadn't been, you know, honorable with God in some way? Or you'd lied to somebody or whatever? You'd probably call them on your cell phone right there. All these other people I could just see, hey, call this guy, tell him, hey, I'm sorry. I told you this horse and he's got bad teeth. You know, I'm sure people are like, hey, we got to get stuff right, right now. You know, there was a move of God. But anyway, look what it says happened. So great fear came on all the church and all those who heard these things. What's it talking about, fear in general? No, the fear of God. The fear of God came on this church. Now, I want you to understand something here. What happened at the beginning is connected to the fear of God. God judging what he is displeased with, did what? It brought the fear of God to a new level. When God stepped in to history, when God stepped in and he went beyond, they didn't take them out and bring them to a court. No, God did it himself. God stepped into things. There are some times when you just look and just in history, you go, man, God just stepped in and dealt with things. That no man could have dealt with. He uncovered things nobody could have uncovered. He saw things and look, he brought it to the surface. Nobody would have known about what happened with Ananias and Sapphira, but God knew and it mattered to God and it bothered God that they were using this environment for them to get glory when God dealt with it. Guess what? People see that and they go, Oh, God's real. God's here. God's dealing with man. And the fear of God came in them. Guess what happened as a result of the fear of God coming in them? The next step is, and through, this is the next, the very next verse, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, and they even brought the sick out on the streets, laid them on beds and couches so that the shadow of Peter would just fall on some of them. And then it says, a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented and had unclean spirits. That little nutshell is like a nutshell of amazing miracles, amazing revival and a coming to God. And people turning their lives over to God. Do not think those three elements are not connected. God dealing with things. The fear of God coming. And then a move of God that is amazing and mighty. That brings revival. Brings miracles. You see, these things happen in the context of the fear of God. And I believe this is going to... Be how God begins to bring the fear of God back into the house of God at a new level. May he do this just with preaching. And I just want to say, if it ends up needing this kind of thing where we begin to go, oh, wow, look what God just exposed. Oh, wow, look what God just exposed in the body of Christ. Oh, wow, look what that ministry was doing. Oh, wow, look what that group of people, oh, oh, God. You see, God does things like that, not just to clean things up, but also because he wants the fear of God brought back into the earth. I want to just say, too, some people will go, oh, well, it happens happens in the church, but it won't necessarily happen out in the world. I say, yes, indeed it will. Indeed it will, particularly where there are people that believe God that are, Believers living for the Lord in those places. In that time of the early church, there was this King Herod, right? And King Herod, this is later after the event we just had. It's quite a while later, but it's in that early church environment. King Herod goes and makes a speech. And the people started shouting, the voice of a God, the voice of a God. He's not a man, he's a God. And he's going, that was a good speech, wasn't it, But guess what? God wasn't pleased with that. And it says, immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him because he didn't give glory to God. Is this a believer? No, he's a secular man standing in the way of God, getting God's glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. God struck him, this man. But then it goes, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Why why is that connected? Look at this. This man opposing God, this man who thinks he's something, Look, God brought him down like that. But he goes, but look, God's getting involved. But the word of the Lord multiplied and grew. And I fully believe. I fully believe. I've had this sensing. I had had an unusual word come to me the other day. And I and I go, what is this? What is this? God, what are you trying to tell me? And then I go, Phew. and I, I'm going, wow, I believe God's getting ready. I say getting ready. I have to say this. Many times God gives me a word, and when He gives me a word, it just seems so real. I think it's going to happen right then, right? And, and so I just have to say, I don't know when God's going to do something. I do believe I can see, though, the move of God already, because I've seen hunger like I've not seen in a long time. I can feel the change all around me. I've seen people being blessed, coming into their promises like I have never seen before. I, people that have been believing God for something, and all of a sudden, there it is. It's starting to come together. And I'm just blown away going, wow, God, look, it's so great to see people come into their blessings, come into their promises, things they've been believing for a long time. This is a season of that kind of thing happening, right? So I believe it's also very likely going to be the season where a lot of things get judged and God begins to clean up things and move things around and where he begins to hear the cries of those that have had injustice done against them where God is the one himself that steps into history and he begins to deal with things and set things aright. And let me just say, sometimes when we want to fix things, we want to fix justice, we don't actually even know what to do, how to do it, where to go, exactly even where the problem is. And I'll tell you, the origin of these problems will many times point the finger somewhere else, right? And blame others, just like there was a setup here. You know, had this thing gone wrong, who would have been blamed? The two scoundrels. They would have been blamed, right? Oh, they, they've said this, they did this. The other people, they're going to be taken care of. But anyway, I, my point is, God knows how to fix things. We don't always know how to fi- fix things. We just do our best. We're faithful to do our best. We're faithful to get involved as God leads and shows us. But beyond all of that, we've got to trust God, that God will get involved in our history. God will get involved in our nation again not only in the church but that God will also set things right in this country. We need that in a major way. There have been revivals. There've been two major revivals in our nation. And from what I've read, they say that uh, the 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 country had gone just about as ungodly but in a different direction than now. I can't imagine it going at un, in an ungodly direction any faster than ours is now with every kind of crazy, ridiculous thought. You know, the word of God says that because people reject God and they, uh, they reject uh, honoring God, their minds go crazy. That's pretty much what it says. And that's what's happened to our society. I mean, the, the one thing I've mentioned before is how is it that you can't tell if you had a, a baby boy or a baby girl? How is it that you can't figure that out until they tell you what they are? That doesn't even make sense. And how is it you're going to have children and you put them under the pressure of, now you have to decide, are you a girl or a boy? Now, if you don't know, now you might not know right now, but when you get older, you're going to, I mean, think about the stupidity of that. Think about the darkness that's in that thought. I mean, I could go on and on about things that are happening in our culture right now. It's, it's the most darkened thing, the most stupid, darkened mind, you know, could hardly have thought of that, you know, 10 years ago. But no, these things are coming out today and it's it's just evidence of a darkened mind. Anyway, I want to mention a few things about this story here, just maybe two or three things just for you to think about and for us to consider as we're praying, because I believe God wants us to partner. You see, God doesn't just want to do things. God wants us to be a part of it. And we're going to get to that probably next week. But God wants us to be a part of what he's doing. We need to see what he's doing. We need to rise up. We need to see our role as being greater than just watching what's going on. He hears our prayers. He understands our decrees. The Bible says we've been called to rule and reign. The Bible says we have certain roles in the earth. So we're going to look at that next week because I believe right now there's an extremely important role that the church and the body of Christ has that we've not been walking in. But let me just mention a couple of things about this Naboth story here. First of all, I just want to mention that this is an extreme example of how corruption can be so pervasive in a place. It's almost unbelievable how pervasive the corruption was. Think about this. We could probably, any of us, go find two liars, right? Probably we we know two liars. Almost all of us probably know two liars. Maybe you haven't known two liars where you say, Hey, will you go lie for me? And they'd lie for you. I don't know. I'm just saying we we could probably find two liars. But they found two liars that were willing to lie for pay and excuse an innocent man, and he was gonna get killed. After a while, I'm guessing, okay, I guess you could find two really, really wicked men like that. But you see, Jezebel wrote her letter to the elders and the nobles of the city. These are the ones that everybody is looking up to to take care of them and to look after them. She sent letters to these people, and they were all involved. They all got letters, every official, and they were all involved in this thing. Not one of them even wanted to know Why are we going to accuse and kill this innocent man? They did not even want to know why. They're just like, okay. I mean, that is amazing to me that society and any group of people can be corrupted that much. And I have to believe, even at that time in their culture, that the people that were living in that city with Naboth could not have believed it would have been that corrupt. But you see, I believe that's another step where, I, where God's going, that angers me so badly because these people are, the, are supposed to be the gatekeepers of the city. They're supposed to be the ones taking care of the population and the citizens. Rather, they're just concerned about their own power, their own this, their own that, and being right with Jezebel. And boom, look what happens. If I were God and I saw a whole group of people that are supposed to be public servants doing something like that, man, I'm telling you, that would really get underneath my skin, so to speak, if I had skin. But this is the normal course for society and for leaders when there is a lack of the fear of God is that not true? when, When there's no fear of God, this is exactly where things go. And I want to just express this again. Right now, the need of the hour is for the fear of God to come into our land. The need of the hour is for the fear of God to come into the church. And it needs to also come into our culture. It needs to hit every section of society. And we need to begin to be those that will be praying and taking our place as the body of Christ. And we're saying, God, be exalted in the earth. Your name be exalted in every nook and cranny of our culture. You be exalted. God, let the light come in every nook and cranny of our culture in this nation. And God, your will be done, not just in my church. Your will be done in this nation. Your will be done in big business. Your will be done in government. Your will be done. Now, that's talking about people coming into alignment with God. I know there's also the thing about your will being done is God's going to bless people. God's going to heal. That's God's will too. But today I'm just emphasizing this because I believe we're in an amazing time of God's spirit being poured out and of things changing and of God dealing with things and of everything breaking open. And we see God move in a way like we have never seen before. That's my hope. That's my hope from what I see. And I believe it's coming. I believe things are coming. Now, another thing I want to mention about this story is look how cunning Satan is. Man, he's so cunning. You have to remember he's a master of deception and manipulation and deceit. I mean, nobody can lie like Satan can. Nobody can manipulate people like Satan can. Nobody can use uh, whatever, like emotions or... Circumstances. Nobody knows how to put things together like Satan can to make things look a certain way. Right? Think about this story. What was the ruse about? Why did they even do it? You think about that? Why did they even need to do it? Why didn't they just kill them? I mean, it looks like all the leaders were were in charge of it anyway. Well, it's because there were righteous that were still in that city, there were still righteous people there. So the whole roost, the whole play, the whole program. Everything was put together as a play for the righteous. Do you understand that? That makes sense, guys? It was, it was done to convince the righteous because these are the ones that need to either be influenced or intimidated to be able to get away with it, right? So no, what they do, they did their deed in front of these people and to convince them, they did something in the name of righteousness. Wow. They're using the law unlawfully. You've probably heard laws are no better than those people that govern. And that's very, very true. Good laws don't do any good if you've got bad people governing those laws. But anyway, here you look at this and you just go, wow, this is a horrible thing. They use the concept of righteousness as the reason they're going to stone him. Look, he blasphemed God. He did something against God and against the king. They stand up. They accuse him of an unrighteous act, and according to the law, they will have him stoned. So, guess what? The leaders and the nobles, then who were there in the high area, places where Naboth was seated, they take him out, and the leaders and the elders actually kill. Him. That's amazing. Now, that's another thing. It's almost like. They killed him in my name. You know what? God thinking they killed him in, in the name of righteousness and they're accusing him. Oh my, that's getting under my skin. You see what I'm saying? I just thought about, you know, what what about the uh, responses you're going to get here? You know, I, I I was thinking, what do you think the people said that day when they accused Naaman? You know, I, I'm guessing some people knew Naaman really well. I bet some people are going, Oh, no, there's no way he could have done that. And we know him. He, he's my cousin. Or we, we see him every day. He's in church. He leads prayer meetings. There's no way Naboth did that. He's never done something like that. You know, we don't understand what happened. It doesn't make sense. And then there's probably some that maybe knew him a little bit. Oh, they saw him in the grocery store or wherever. You know, they, they, they knew him a little bit. They They were probably going, wow, did you hear? What Naboth did? Did you hear what Naboth did? I mean, there's a few people saying he he didn't do it, but there's witnesses. There's a bunch of witnesses. And and all the leaders, all the leaders are saying that he did it. he, He had to have done it. And they stoned him right there. I mean, there's evidence he did it right there. We just never would have imagined Naboth would have done that. You never know. You never know. And then there's another group of people that are probably just going, something just doesn't feel right about what's going on here. I don't know what's going on, some say this, some say that, some say this. I don't know. All I know is something's not right these days in what's going on in our nation. And we're just going to pray because we don't know what happened. We don't know who did what, but we're going to pray and we're going to ask God, God, you deal with whatever needs to get dealt with. God, you handle whatever needs to be handled. God, we're asking you for justice. God, we're asking you to pour out your life. God, we're asking you to intervene in this hour. Let me tell you, those individuals that will pull back and that have a heart for righteousness and that will pray that in the earth are fulfilling a God-given responsibility to pray. God, your will be done in this earth. The reason Jesus told us to pray it wasn't just to have some religious something to say. He said to do it because it works and it's our responsibility to get God into the earth in every single place possible. So those people that are backing up and going, God, something's not right. God, bring justice. God, you see everything. You know every dark area. I believe that it was because of the persevering prayers of people for justice for the light to shine, for God to deal with things. I believe it had been happening. And I believe right here at this moment in this nation, this native situation, boom, it's God's time. And he says, it's time for me to answer all those prayers. I love it in in the um, prayer in uh, the New Testament where Jesus is saying, teaching us how to pray. And he says, you pray and never give up. And then what does he use as an example? A widow. Who's a widow? Back then, it was someone who had a lot of weakness. Someone who you didn't have. Normally, they didn't have the resources of everyone else. They were dependent on so many others. He's trying to use someone who's very weak and doesn't have much influence in society as his example. This person who needed what? Justice. Why does he use justice as what she's praying for? He uses justice because that is the example of something that everybody knows God wants to answer. He's using this, everybody knows God wants it. Here's the most weak person. Even if that person will continue and hold on to God, will not God bring about justice For those that cry out, wow, God loves to bring about justice. And God wants us to cry out. He wants us to cry out for truth. He wants us to cry out that the darkness be exposed. He wants us to cry out that things be removed and put in order. Things we can't see. Things we don't know about. But we know something's not right. You see, it's so important. You back up and you don't get all emotionally involved. And you don't act like that second group of people going, well, yin, yin, yin. Or the first group of people, you know, you've got to back up and say, you know what? We've got to put this in God's hand because the devil just wants to run us here and run us there. Make us run our mouths everywhere and have bad attitudes. But he doesn't want us going into prayer with pure hearts. No, not by any means. But i tell you, that's where the power is. Anyway, lastly, I just want to just mention how do people get this way? How was it these individuals got this way? I've wondered about that before. How is it that the corrupt become corrupt? And some of them, evidently, they get to a place of corruption where God knows there's no turning back for that person. They've made a decision. They spurned God. They said, I'm going to go my own way. There's no turning. I mean, how does somebody get to that? I believe it starts out with very small things. I believe it starts out with a little compromise here, a little compromise there. It's a little giving away of their integrity here, a little giving away of their character here, maybe it's a little bit for money here, oh, that's not a big deal. Oh, that's not really bad. oh da 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 I'll take a little money for this. Oh, it's a little bribe, blah, 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 blah. you know, they're really not guilty anyway. It's not a big deal. Oh, I'll just take the money. I need the money anyway, and they don't pay me enough anyway, and so i'll just take I'll take the bribe. There's really nothing wrong, you know, it's a little compromise here and there for money, for power, for influence for things, stuff for success, you see, for promotion. When people begin to compromise little things in little areas to gain, they're selling themselves for what they're getting. Is it worth it? Is it worth for you to sell a part, even if it seems to you like it's a small part of your integrity, would you sell that for something else? Because once you do that, it begins to get easier and easier until after a while, you have completely sold yourself. That's what it says about Ahab. And I believe that verse where it says, there was nobody like Ahab who sold himself to do evil is exactly the process that happens in culture where there's no fear of God. People are selling then sell their character, their integrity for some kind of gain. At the end, guess what? They've got no character or integrity. Maybe they've got the whole world. But what have they got? They don't have the things that are important. That's that's the most sad thing. Justin Bieber, I don't know if he's serving the Lord or not. Some say he is and some say he's not. I don't know. And he said, listen, for those of you that you think when well, you get all this stuff and you've got success and you've got money and you've got this you got it, you think that makes you happy? You think you're in a better place? You think you're happier than just the average Joe You are yeah. not. It is not good. It is not good. And I believe that's so true. But how many times do we sell ourselves something that's important? I mean, it's something that we think is important. Well, I want to just finish today with us just in prayer. I want to pray. I want you to agree with me. And I hope this spirit of prayer will be with you throughout the week because this is our hour to shine. God's going to get involved doing stuff. God's going to get involved in our in our nation in this hour. I believe that the fear of God is getting ready to be poured out. I believe there's already been, it's, it's like because of the prayers of the saints for years and years that have been praying certain things, I believe things have been coming into place. In fact, what's so interesting, I bet you one year from now, the prayer meetings will be like so much more popular than you would have ever imagined. Because as God begins to move more and more, more people pray, more people come to church more people want to get involved. More people are connecting. More people are like, oh, I just want to go forward with God. Why is that happening? Because God's moving. God's moving. Amen. And we're a huge part of that. We need to pray. and We need to get involved. Father, we just want to thank you, God, that you are a God of justice, Lord. And you hate injustice. You hate people being taken advantage of. You hate it when people are schemed against. You hate it. Even particularly when those who are in power, whether it's business power, governmental power, or whatever. Father, when people abuse that power that's been entrusted to them and, and actually take advantage of others. Father, you hate that kind of thing. And Lord, we thank you that we serve a just God. And we thank you that you're a God that loves to bring light into the earth. And we're the salt. We're the ones who are bringing preservatives, not only through our being here, but God through our prayers. So, God, now, in Jesus' name, we pray pour out your spirit in this earth. We pray for our nation right now. God, pour out your spirit right now in this United States. Father, we pray that where there is darkness in hidden places, things that we can't see, things we wouldn't even know. God, we're just asking you go there now and you deal with these things. God, bring justice. God, bring truth. God, bring light. God, bring freedom. God, bring a breakthrough, we pray, in Jesus' name. And may the kingdom of God expand. And God, we pray, the fear of God will touch every sector of society, from the high to the low, from the poor to the wealthy, from the black to the white, and every other thing. God, let everybody be moved and touched by the power of God in every place in society. God, we ask you this now, and Lord, we just pray that this nation be a nation under God. Lord, may it be where we would honor you again, and this culture would honor you again. And Father, everything that has been resisting God, bringing God down, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, God, deal with these things now, that the truth of God might go forward that people might be saved, that the fear of God would be here again. God, let there be an an amazing and a great outpouring in this hour. Lord, we're looking for it. God, we're seeing the signs of it. And God, we're just so excited partnering with you as we're praying this, your will into the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.